thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. I invite you to grab your bulletin on the back is the outline uh, for today's message. And um, we are continuing there in our series, uh, Not a Fan, and we will do that even up, up until the holiday, even through December. Uh, we'll look at the Christmas story and the characters of the Christmas story um, in light of not a fan. And understand that not a fan, uh, the definition of a fan, enthusiastic follower, okay? And the definition of the follower is when Jesus said to all, all of them, if you will take up your cross and follow me daily. And that's where we're after. We want to be that kind of follower. We want to be that kind of people that are so in love with Jesus. I want you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at a couple of more of this today. We basically have three questions this morning that's going to define the relationship or the, the, the T-R-D is the relationship defined. We looked at it earlier, but we looked at it from our perspective, that we would define the relationship. Today we're going to look at it from where Jesus simply defines it, okay? And these three questions will kind of set the table of where we are in this, in this relationship. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Let's begin in verse 15. Matthew 7, verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you like in sheep's clothing, but inwardly... They are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good fruit bears, every good tree bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit... You will recognize them. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Away from me, you evildoers. Have you ever been, hopefully you won't raise your hand on this, but have you ever been driving in your car, music on, playing that Christian music, just cruising down the road, got your, you know, your Starbucks, and, and you're just cruising. You're having a great time, long trip, and you're just driving along. And, and, and about an hour down the road, you're looking around, and you're like, not sure I recognize everything. But you don't think anything about it because you're you and you're a sharp cat. And so you're thinking there's no way I could be on the wrong road because you feel very comfortable about things and you, I mean, you look good. I mean, you're just cruising. Music's great and beautiful day. But then you come into a city that you did not mean to come into. And you're like, what in the world? How'd I get here? And at that point, it's a little late. Because it really doesn't matter how you got here, you're here. 
So you ought to just find a cracker barrel and enjoy it, all right? Because you're here, okay? Now, I, I didn't do that, okay? I'm very capable of doing that, but I have a wonderful, gorgeous navigator over here that takes care of me on that. But, but I believe there are a lot of people today that fit that description. Man, they got a good-looking vehicle. It's got a heater that works on a cold day. They got a beautiful, you know, pumpkin spice latte sitting in their cup holder. They got Christian music going. They, they got tunes on. And they're looking good. They're cruising, and they're waving, and they think they are just the greatest thing since sliced bread and peanut butter. And, man, they're just, they're happy. But, my friends, they're on the wrong road. They're on the wrong road. You see that a lot. They may be on the wrong road because of religion. Because religion can mess you up, man. Can mess you up. I was talking to a college kid Friday night in Lubbock at the game. One of the kids that graduated several years ago. And he said, Jeff, I realized after I got out of high school that I was more in love with religion than I was with Jesus. And that religion had really messed me up. And now I'm in love with Jesus, and I have joy like I've never had before. I'm like, dude, you want to come preach Sunday? <laughs> that's a great word, and that's the truth. You may be on that wrong road because you grew up in church, and you're living out the family heritage, but you've never met Jesus. And you're doing all this stuff because it's what we do, but you're hollow, and you're empty. And don't even know why you do it. I love asking high school and college kids why they go to church. Not where. Why? It's a beautiful question to ask them sometimes. Why do you go to church? A lot of them will tell you because that's what we do as a family. That's what my parents do. Mm. That's going to be an encounter one day. But that answer right there is that's going to be hit head on with something one day. Because it can't be your parents' faith, and it can't be because it's what you do in your family. You go to church because you love the presence of the Lord and because you love the Lord, and you want to be like Him. I want you to look at three questions here. Jeb, why don't you pop that first slide up about wrong road? Can you get there, buddy, that first slide? That's the only one I'm going to use, by the way. I won't worry about that second one. Look at this statement. If a person is wrong about being right with God then it ultimately isn't really, it really doesn't matter what he or she is right about. <laughs> Amen? If you're wrong about being right with God, it really doesn't matter what you think you're right about. Because ultimately you're wrong. You see, we can't be on the wrong road, folks. We have to know that we know that we know. I want you to look at these three questions this morning. Question number one. Does your life reflect what you say you believe? Does your life reflect what you say you believe? I want you to look at verse 20 with me. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. If the prerequisite to getting to heaven was based on the answer your five closest friends gave about you, how would you do? If the prerequisite of getting to heaven was based on five family members, how would you do? Now, it doesn't. But, oh, if it did, 
how it would change how we live. Do the people closest to you know you by your fruit? Can they recognize that? Can they? Because Jesus said, I will know my sheep and my sheep will know me. And when he looks at us, he knows us. And when other people look at us, they ought to know that we love Jesus and that we're a follower of Christ because when the Holy Spirit lives in you, you produce fruit. And if you're not producing fruit, I want to help you with some math. To get two, you must have one and one. You think you got two, but you really only have one. And one and zero do not add up to two. Not even at College Station. All right? You're not getting there. Sorry. <laughs> Rewind that, boys. All right. But here's the deal. You've got to know him. And when you know him and when Jesus lives in you, it's a supernatural production. You do not have to strain to produce the fruit of the living God. It just happens. It just happens. And I've, I've said before as I've preached through that John passage that you don't have to strain to produce fruit. Because, my friends, when we strain like that, it's usually not very fruitful, okay? All right? It usually stinks or something, all right? You don't want to strain. You don't have to strain. He doesn't say try to produce fruit. He says they will produce fruit. And if you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristics of Christ, then the answer can only be one thing. You don't have the power within you to produce the fruit. You don't. And some of you are looking at me, and you're in your 50s and 40s and 30s, and you're saying, I've lived a long time in Christ, but I still don't produce fruit consistently. Then maybe you're not in Christ. Maybe you're around Christ. You see, I'm a, I believe the church is full of people who think they're in Christ, but they're really around Christ. That's what we do in church. We kind of get around Christ and around Christians, little, Chris, little Christ. And we think by being around them, supernaturally, we become like them. No. I've said many times, you can walk in McDonald's and you can be around the Happy Meal, but you will not be a Happy Meal. All right? just doesn't happen. You've got to be in Christ. He's got to be in you to produce himself out of you. If he's around you or you're around him, no. It, it, it does not happen. It does not happen. So do they know you by your fruit? Several years ago, we did, a, well, not several. I'm older than I think I am. Many years ago, when I was a youth pastor, we did a D-Now weekend one time, and we did the shirts for D-Now inside out. We, we turned all the T-shirts inside out, and we printed on the, on the inside of it. The wrong side. So when you wore your T-shirt, today it's cool. You have your tag hanging out, your shirt's inside out. It's really cool. But we wanted a constant reminder to the students that it's not who you're on the outside. It's who you're on the inside. And that your inside must be lived outside. Trust me, folks. Don't fool yourself. We see your insides more than you think we do. Be careful. Your heart is showing. You just don't think it's showing but we do see it. Do they know you 
Or does your life reflect what you say you believe? Number two, do you think you're on the right road because of what you have done? Do you think you're on the right road because of what you have done? I want you to look at uh, verse 22 with me. Verse 22 says, Many, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Look at the statement. Look at all of them. Did we not say on that day, we prophesied, cast out demons, did miracles? I know you must know me. No matter how much good you do or what you might accomplish, that does not make you a follower. Why does he say these three phrases together? Because they are supernatural experiences. Let's, I mean, how many of us on a daily basis are prophesying in his name, driving out demons, and performing miracles? I'm not. That's a pretty impressive list, but I'm not doing that. And I think the reason he says this is because he wants to show you that no matter what extreme you perform for me, it's not enough. I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. You, you can't beat that list, so don't even put your list up. Well, I, I go to church every week. Well, they cast out demons. Oop, trunch you. Well, I, 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 know, I know a bunch of Scripture, and I text Scripture to all my buddies. Nothing wrong with texting Scripture. But do you perform miracles? Hadn't done them in a while. No. So it doesn't matter what list we try to put up to impress Jesus. To say, oh, I'm a follower because look at all the things I do for you. He says, no, no. It's not make you a follower. It's not what you do for me. It's who you are for me. It's who you are. Do, do I change the circumstance or does the circumstance change me? When I walk into the room, maybe at work, where guys may tell stories or talk about things that they shouldn't be talking about. But when I walk in, does it stop? Kind of like when the preacher walks in, they all stop talking because they're talking about him. Right? But I'm talking about it in a different way. Do, do you so radiate the presence in the image of Christ that your presence alone at the table changes conversation? I guarantee you, if Jesus said at your lunch table, you would not talk about some of the things you talk about. And if Jesus slept in your bedroom, you may not have those posters. And if Jesus rode to work with you, you may, he may not, you may not listen to that stuff. If Jesus used your computer or your phone, you may not have those websites and peek at them. I'm just saying that the list that we like to put up before Jesus, does that really impress him? Well, this list didn't even impress him. They, they were doing miracles and casting out demons, and Jesus wasn't even impressed with that. It's like he said, I do those. I do those. What kind of list do we 
use on Jesus to prove that we're a follower. And, and I guess the crazy question is, can you prove that? I don't think you can prove that. I think you just are that. Because the minute I think we think we can prove it is the minute that pride trumps that and we're automatically not that. It's like, I am that. And we pronounce ourselves follower. And Jesus, I wonder if he pronounced that on us. Look at the third question. Do I know Jesus, and does he know me? Look at verse 23 with me. This is after he talks about the demons and the miracles and all this stuff. They're a little list. And then after that list, he says this. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers those just those just not very nice words does he do you know him does he know you i had a uh, a girl in my student ministry who um, <laughs> you know the longer you're around church and the longer you work in church there's some things that god really teaches you because you go in the church thinking Great families have great kids, and bad families have bad kids. I'm going to tell you, there's some real good families that have some kids that don't turn out good, okay? And then I have some bad, bad families that have some diamonds, boy. And this girl was a diamond. I mean a diamond. Every Sunday morning, she'd get herself up, get dressed, and drive herself to church. And on leaving her bedroom, she had to walk through the living room. And she said, Jeff, every Sunday morning, there was a different guy on my mom's couch. But that high school girl never missed. Came on Sunday morning, came Sunday night, came Wednesday night, went on mission trips, went to youth camp for us, everything. But one day, I bumped into her mother in Barnes & Noble, and she said, aren't you Jeff Ponder? Aren't you my daughter's youth pastor? I said, I am. She said, can you do me a favor? I said, I, oh, sure. Lay it on me. She said, I would like you to tell my daughter she needs to chill out a little bit. You need to explain to her that the Bible says that you need to do things in moderation. That's what the Bible teaches. That you don't have to be all in. You don't have to go so over the top on everything. It's okay just to kind of be, do it, do it in moderation. But I'm getting sick of all this over-the-top stuff in this Bible and church and worship, praying, all this stuff. I have to pray before every meal. I get sick of praying before every meal. And she insists we do it. Man, I'm standing there going, <laughs> did she just say that? That's what I'm thinking inside. But fortunately, Scripture came. And instead of me speaking in the flesh, what I wanted to do, I said, ma'am, can I just tell you that Revelation chapter 3, Jesus says either you be hot or you be cold. But if you are lukewarm, 
I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'm not going to tell your daughter to back off because I would be denying the Bible that I preach from. Jesus does not want you lukewarm. He does not want you in moderation to do anything. He wants you to sell out and be a total committed Christian. And I said, ma'am, in all due respect, in a day and time in your life where you should be leading your daughter, your daughter is leading you. And my advice to you would be get in line and follow her because she's following Jesus. And we left. I've never seen her before, and never in a day I've seen her. Melissa keeps up with this young lady on Facebook. I'm just not there much. But, but Jesus has already declared the relationship defined. He doesn't say, I want you to kind of halfway do anything, because when he bore our sins on that cross called Calvary, he didn't do it halfway, my friend. He did it all. He paid it all. And the least we could do in this spoiled America that we live in is follow the king in what we think is tough, and it's not even tough. You probably saw November a couple of weeks ago in North Korea where they brought, was it 80 people, I believe, 80 people out who had a Bible, the Word of the Lord. They've been studying it. They line them up on their knees and put a bag over their head and they shoot every one of them because they had the Bible and they were studying it. Folks, many of us can't find our Bible. Can't even find it. Jesus has defined the relationship. He said, don't give me a list and don't tell me all the stuff you do because I might say to you one day, I never knew you. He says, I don't want you to do it in moderation. I want you 110% committed to me. I want you to all in, man, all in. And it better affect every part of your life, not just some. I mean every part, every part. Today, are you truly, truly a committed follower of Jesus? I pray you will be. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Sometimes, Father, that word is just really, really in our face. And today it was. Father, it's not about us determining that relationship necessarily. You've defined that relationship you want with us. It is a total committed follower of Christ. And God, I pray that what people see is you. And Father, I pray that we're not on the wrong road because of something we think we're doing. That we do things and we think we're on the right road, but we're really on the wrong road. And Father, I pray, Father, that nobody would ever hear the words away from me. I never, never knew you. God, may we have the same passion to follow you as that high school girl did. Had every reason not to do it. Her environment said don't do it. Her circumstances said don't do it. 
Even her own mother who gave birth to her said, don't do it. But she heard her Jesus say, do it. And boy, did she do it well. So, Father, today, make us a little uncomfortable. That's okay. Father, help us understand that you gave it all. And what are we giving? So today, Father, at the sound of my voice, I pray for anyone who those words of depart from me, I never knew you, haunt you, scares you, makes you uncomfortable. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to walk out of this church this way. You can come this morning and give your life to Christ and hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, I pray for families here today that looking for a church home, this is an absolute wonderful church home. And so, Father, I pray you lead them here today. For some of us, Father, we just really need to decide if we're all in. We're hung between the fan and the follower. God, may we decide today to be a follower of you. Father, during this invitation time, speak our name. We will say yes in Christ's name.